Frank. Frank, come on, man. Something anything at all there. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. That'll one, two, three, that'll do. We're in business. Um, <clears throat> I'll get you a bit of water. Um Thank you. You um you have the title Adventurer. Yeah, uncomfortably. Are you? Yeah, I don't like it. Do you not? No. I don't know, like, is there anything is is there such a thing as adventures these days? You know, there's no Livingstons and Shackledons and, you know, everything's been mapped, you know, so uh, I, know, I know where I'm going. Maybe I'm internally adventuring, but uh, I prefer to live. I prefer the, the statement. I like to live an adventurous life instead of I'm an adventurer. OK. Yeah. Yeah, I still think it's a pretty cool fucking title. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, honestly, I think that... Um, yeah, I was looking at it going, God, is there many better careers? You might like to call it yourself, but leaving living the adventurer's life, is there, there's not many um, uh, careers that are kind of, you go, yeah, but that's pretty damn cool. Like, is there, like, if you were to think about all the careers that you could be, adventurer is probably up there. Even. Yeah, yeah, sure. And there's a reason I kind of do these things, you know, because, uh, you know, it's I love the kind of romanticism of the adventure, you know, I yeah. love kind of just you know, taking off. I said it in one of my videos, just putting on a backpack, hopping on a plane and arriving in a country, you know, where, you know, you've never been before and all the kind of, the new stuff that comes with that, the sights and the sounds and the people and the smells and, you know, I'm like next month I'm going to Iran and I'm, you know, kind of just going to um, backpack around and couch surf and maybe try and hitchhike and I'm really excited about that because it's like, it's just, there's so much unknown. I've never been in the country um and you know we're just fed so much bullshit in the press about different yeah. countries and i love going and discovering them myself and this is like it's a real exciting way to live i think and um it's a real uh i don't know you you learn a lot when you live like that and you're kind of you're brave in your decisions and you push yourself and yeah i just love i love living like that you know i think uh like I've evolved into that, you know, I didn't just one day just start and um, do some crazy adventure, but I, um, I suppose it's my personality that I kind of keep having to try and do more and improve and try and develop, you know, so I kind of, I the first trip I took on my own was like when I was 22, I went to just Budapest for a weekend on my own and, and that at that time was huge for me, you know what mm. I mean, just traveling on my own, but now like, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think twice about doing something like that but um it's just been a constant kind of evolution of, of pushing myself along and that's where i find myself now doing kind of 
you know, Ocean Rose and, you know. Um, uh, and tell me this though, when did you make the plan to go to Iran? Was this before you went on the Ocean Road? Yeah, yeah, it's been a country, I like I didn't get to travel much, I love traveling, I didn't get to travel much last year at all because okay. um, the preparation for the road was so crazy. Um, and the next country that I really wanted to, you know, discover was Iran. So um, now is the time, kind of the the row is done, and I have a little bit of um, a little bit of downtime. So. And when did you book that? Was that like uh, well before you started? Was it in the last six months? No, just just, just there, like, like in the last couple of weeks. Ah, uh, okay. So you would finished the row, yeah. and then. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so you weren't able to sit. <laughs> huh? What's that? No, you weren't able to sit. I'm just, I'm amused that you were, you finished the row. Yeah. So you had oh, already no, no. fucking another one booked. Yeah, like, yeah, there exactly. you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. I, I kind of work off um, goals, like, do you know, and um, I have a goal to visit every country in the world. Right. Um, and, uh, but I wanted kind of, I'm not like, I don't want to run around just ticking them off. You know, I want to experience the countries. Yeah. So, um, especially interesting ones like it's not Liechtenstein you know where you could probably walk around it in a couple of days you know yeah. what I mean so a uh, country like Iran I really want to kind of um, just you know I suppose try and get an uh, essence of their culture and how they live and you know meet the people and, and give it a good kind of uh, you know respect and you know delve into the country a little bit yeah it's funny I saw um, something like uh, or as humans of New York you know the way they they half decent things from time to time, but the pictures up of people from Iran, and obviously, like you said, we're kind of fed this bullshit. But it's just ordinary people trying mm-hmm. to trying to live. Same this as is, you and me, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely no yeah. difference whatsoever. You know, and I love that idea that there were, he had one picture of somebody who's after breaking up with the girlfriend and like all real simple stuff. The rest is just kind of um, bullshit that we're fed. Yeah, yeah, completely and. You know, just like us, just trying to survive, just trying to be happy, just trying mm. to, you know, take care of their families and enjoy themselves. But I don't know, there's something in kind of pressing that or there's always some sort of kind of, I don't know, we're fed kind of the negative stuff always. And we're like, yeah. there's a lot of fear mongering as well with countries like that. And oh, the the Islamic thing. But I found from traveling in Islamic countries they are incredibly welcoming and friendly and generous with their time and you know if you get invited into um an islamic um or muslim household like you're basically a king you know you're put on a pedestal and they just like you're you're kind of you almost feel awkward like you're like you know especially as an irish person you're like ah no don't 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 fuss you know but they absolutely (laughs) fuss around you like crazy you know Mm -hmm. so and it's amazing experience like um just seeing how they live they live real simply but they seem to be like really happy you know that's obviously a huge um, I see ordinary people are just but, fuck, but it's the truth though I mean it's only a small percentage of people that are dickheads really mm-hmm. ordinary people are just getting by eating and drinking and fucking <laughs> having the chat like I mean <laughs> we're not really looking to start a war the average no. person and blow up shit I no, don't think no <laughs> no but you, you, sometimes you'd wonder when you're fed um, or when you well, listen to the news or whatever or well when you wipe out you kind of <laughs> nearly almost corner a whole nation and go well every one of them are yeah. evil which is just ludicrous these yeah, small handfuls madness, yeah Exactly. Um, so when did you get back from your? Uh, I get you that there, John. Uh, when did you get back from? It was the sixteenth of February you landed. Uh, the fifteenth. Fifteenth was the day okay. I landed. Um, and I only got back to Ireland yesterday. Um, or the day before yesterday. Sorry. Uh, so I spent kind of six weeks, uh, four weeks in the Caribbean, just traveling around. So uh, my family were there at the finish. Yeah. 
we spent about a week together, nine days in Antigua after I finished, and then they came home and I just kind of um, uh, threw on the backpack and just kind of wandered around some of the Caribbean islands because, you know, kind of fits into my goals, but also gave me some time to be on my own. Uh, <laughs> that sounds strange, but a little bit of space and kind of freedom. Um, yeah, always, what was that, do you think, though, the fact that you needed to get time away again? Just to think, you know, and just to kind of try and process the, the role and, and not only the role, but like the 18 months or the year kind of preparation and all the fundraising events that I did. And that was all really new to me and it was quite um, scary at times. And I would say parts of the, the fundraising, the events I put on were, were nearly harder than the, the role, you know, I, I just was completely out of my comfort zone. So, In what um, sense is that now? Just the, the whole social trying to... Yeah, I suppose putting yourself out there and yeah. leading something and using your name as um, as a, a kind of, um, I don't know, as a, you know, a pla- uh, not a, a, a header or a headline, you know, like Damien Brown, Atlantic Row. And I'd never done anything like that before, so I, I felt quite vulnerable at times. And uh, and then you're trying to um, sell events and um, like I, I've never done it, like I said, never done anything like that. So I just felt that it was, I found, found it really difficult. It's kind of the mystery, though, really, um, when you talk about that kind of vulnerability and uh, put yourself out there like that on one side and then the total fucking face in the Atlantic Ocean on the other side. It's the kind of... An, it's, it's interesting, is it not? You know, there's... You should really... It really should be totally fearless. In If you were to think about it, you yeah. go, you should, I always wouldn't give a shit about something like, know, like that. Now, I would hate doing that, what you're talking about, the, the whole put yourself out there thing. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know, I, like, when it comes to these adventures, like, I just feel like I'm made for them. That's where I come into my own. That's where I, I love that space. Like, the harder they are, the um, the the more I love them, the more I kind of relish the, the adversity. Um, but on the other side of things, like, when you're doing something new, I think, uh, and um, oh, kind of overwhelming, it's just... You're just out of your comfort zone, so you never really like. Obviously, you never feel comfortable doing it, you know. So, mm-hmm. um, I felt that time in the Caribbean would help me because I, I wrote like you do some. Say I did three events: a golf day, a, a black tie dinner, and um, a twenty-four hour kind of team row thing where we we set a new world record. But um, I just felt that um. I rushed past them all. Like if I'd done one of them in a year, I'd have been quite happy with myself to do three of them, um, and then still have the row ahead of me. You know, I, I never really kind of took too much um, reward or too much fulfillment from. So, I just felt that time in the Caribbean might help me kind of um, process the whole year and the row and everything. So, um, I'm not too sure if it did, <laughs> to be honest with you, but uh, it definitely was enjoyable. Yeah, I, I was it. Um, was it an older man gave you a hug when you when you landed? He's a moustache. Mm, my dad. That's your dad. Yeah. Um, that was that. Uh, obviously, it was emotional. But he, he said a load of stuff to you, and the hugs there between the two of you was pretty amazing. Yeah, you know? it was. It was incredible. Yeah, I don't know, like to share those uh, moments with your family and like they're you know obviously very um, powerful, you know, and I think it just. It simply just kind of brings you closer as a family, you know, so, um, yeah, hugging him, hugging my mum and having my brother and sister there as well. And the, the kind of the five of us just, I don't know, we, we made kind of very uh, strong life memories just there in that one moment. So and it's yeah. nice to be able to, even though it was a real solitary thing to do, it's, 
it's really important to to share those moments and yeah they rode with you i'd say the parents looking yeah. at your dad's reaction when he was holding on to you there it was that was the sense that he rode there he was there as much as he can be yeah no and I, I talked to him regularly like i mean i talked to them more on the road uh, than i probably did if i was living in the same house with them. yeah <laughs> like every two days three days they'd ring and i'd be um i'd be literally looking for, like i'd be looking forward to the conversation i had to the phone call all day you know what i mean it's kind of be the highlight of your day even though you wouldn't have fuck all to say to each other because you just yeah. talked two days beforehand and you know but uh it was really important for me it was really important for them you know and uh, like you said it just um you know they were part of the, the, part voyage. Of the voyage yeah, yeah i can imagine even just the, even the, the the tones i mean uh, there's some some fucking there's some meditation somewhere apparently that when you you repeat your own name it can be very relaxing because it's the first name you've ever heard in your life okay. um and so then i imagine this idea then when you're out there alone in the atlantic ocean some half arsed let's call it half arsed vessel <laughs> <laughs> um and what the fuck it was you can talk about that like but to hear the sounds of your parents in that it'd be comforting like what even if they're giving out to you you'd be happy enough like yeah. what are you doing out here yeah you know there'd be some sort of calmingness of it i imagine it was always at night as well like i'd always have the sat one on between nine and ten i think it was so like it just kind of have gotten dark as well you know so you'd crawl into the cabin and I'd literally crawl in because it's tiny you know what i mean it's only it was only about two meters ten so it's only about kind of um 11 or 12 centimeters longer than me you know what i mean so um you're in this little kind of um cubby hole basically and it, yeah. so you feel but you feel protected by that you, that's your refuge that little area and then to yeah to be able to kind of just lie back and relax and have that conversation um no matter what was been said it was just it was just nice to kind of be able to connect with people like that and mm. you'd answer a few text messages as well you know so it was a really um it was a real kind of um important part of the the crossing you know for me to just to just to have that um some sort of um dialogue and some sort of connection with some people you know because you know there was another 23 hours during the day where i didn't i was just on my own in my own head you know and what was your um we'll say is a, a routine is the wrong word but you must have had some sort of schedule to your day like i'm curious about even things like your food in the morning time and what sort of food you had and yeah, like so. From the moment of waking, what sort of ritual? So I, I stayed on. Fuck makes it seem nice, but on, yeah. <laughs> I stayed on Spanish time the whole way across, uh, even though we went through four time zones. I think so. I'd get up at what I thought was six a.m. Spanish time, uh, and then I'd take about half an hour. It depended. I'd take half an hour or an hour to kind of get the boat ready, because you had to tie down. Like everything had to be lashed down, because you never know what the hell you're going to go through in mm. the night time. So, because I did lose an hour early day, early doors from not um being vigilant enough in my, in my um, uh, fixing up the boat at night, you know. So, yeah. so I'd, I'd loosen everything out, um, and then I'd either have breakfast um, in that if it was half an hour, I wouldn't. I'd just have a shake, um, a protein shake with some carbs and some creatine, and then. Um, if it was an hour, I'd I'd actually have some um food. So breakfast would just be I'd boil water and add it to the dehydrated rations that we brought. Cool. Well, so, that's about a day. Like what? what? So in that case, that nice. no, it's not. <laughs> well, they're not too bad. Like I brought a, a huge variety of different companies, 
uh, we had to bring 90 days worth of food uh, six and a half thousand calories a day so um in wow. most cases it was something like scrambled eggs and potatoes and um peppers okay uh, is this like airplane food would yeah, it be? yeah a little bit yeah even probably if not even as nice you know yeah you never you, you didn't really have much solid protein as such it was all kind of um kind of dehydrated meats and um spaghetti bolognese and that sort of stuff so and then yeah just add water to it and it's really light and it's really caloric okay. so it's perfect for what you need for the the crossing you know what i mean because uh, you want the boat to be as light as possible obviously to get across as fast as possible so um uh, and that there's not much joy in it though it's not like you know you're looking forward to your breakfast it's more eating for the sake of fuel is it well there there becomes a reliance on it and it becomes a big uh, factor in your kind of um uh in your um i don't know in your kind of happiness you know what i mean because okay. it's an important part of the day um when you have food and you need to really kind of enjoy it at some level and some days you get really sick of one or two meals but if you pulled out a meal that you really liked it would it would be a big kind of okay. um, factor in your kind of morale yeah um so uh so it is it is important and i i was pretty happy with the way i prepared for that you know i think like i said bringing the the big variety just kept things um fresh mm. you know more than or more often than not there was times where there were certain meals i became sick of really quickly and like what um there was a um pad thai that i bought and I'd heard these rave reviews about it online, you know, oh, it's so good. And I was like, oh, I like Pad Thai, right? <laughs> and I had, I ate it the first three days and then hey, I couldn't stomach it after that. Like it was really rich and, uh, you know, it just wasn't for me, you know. But yeah. um, so that got like, I must have had about 20 packets of that left at the end, you know, that every time I pull out a meal, I just throw it into a different uh, Okay, so it like a lucky dip then. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. And then every seven days I had these little, uh, I put together these little, um, packets of like celebrations quality street okay, roses okay. you know just to little looking forward to yeah exactly exactly <laughs> and uh, i was finished <laughs> i think and i finished them within five weeks you know i was literally searching them out trying to find them because they were so <laughs> they must have been heavenly <laughs> yeah, they? they were unbelievable <laughs> Jeez, unbelievable yeah. little drops of heaven like the, the dairy milk like oh my god beautiful. <laughs> oh yeah jesus i can only imagine that now yeah yeah Fucking hell. And so, the, so the, that was that was the kind of uh, and like um, so the morning you'd have your breakfast around that mm. time. Yeah. yeah, and then I'd roll basically for uh, until about one o'clock. Um, that was my longest stint in the day. Okay. So you'd like you would wake up and it'd still be dark, and then you'd literally watch the whole sunset and the sky change from black to grey, and then the the sun rising, and then yeah. So that was a um, that that was the kind of easiest part of the day for me for most of the journey until right at the end there was a couple of really early mornings that were really difficult because the conditions got really big again big waves big seas and mm. that means that i'm constantly getting hit by waves so i'm constantly wet and it's dark and it was pretty cold as well so it was just miserable yeah. absolutely miserable there's about four days in a row where um it was really just grim and um because that was right at the end your body was kind of um shutting down a little bit because you were thinking about the finish you know what i mean you weren't in that kind of you weren't in that place mentally where um no. you know there's a long way to go so you don't you don't relax at all but i think when the finish is in sight i think just organically or naturally you just kind of you almost 
switch off a little bit or your body starts to go well soon enough it's going to be you know time to take it easy you know what mm. I mean so so um yeah I felt like that everything was becoming harder at that stage like you anytime you'd get a everything seemed to be sore like all of my joints and obviously my arse was in bits at that stage with pressure show pressure pressure sores and um and the salt sores as well and then you're wet and you're cold and yeah it's pretty that was pretty grim but before that um the mornings were quite enjoyable you know because you know you were getting you were kind of rowing through the sunrise and then you were getting the heat coming on to you and you know it was you weren't too um you weren't uh, too wet as well at that stage so mm. i quite enjoyed them it was kind of later in the day i found really difficult yeah you had christmas day out there like didn't you mm -hmm. yeah that was early enough i think day 11 or 12 or something like that mm. and that was a great day because I, I had loads of um the conditions were really good yeah uh, the sunrise is absolutely incredible um i talked to my brother early in the day I talked to my parents twice that day loads of text messages you know so um and uh, the going was good so i was flying along and i hadn't really had any problems so as much as uh, i suppose you think it mightn't be a great day you might feel a bit lonely i didn't far from it it was, it was pretty good yeah but you'd happy hadn't you with the, yeah. with the image of you with the, with the santa, the santa hat, yeah <laughs> yeah it was um yeah sunrise like that i took a picture i think with sunrise with the santa hat. it was just incredible that morning so um it just put me in a good buzz for the day you know and then talk because i wouldn't be used to talking to people early in the day whereas on that day i did talk to my brother you know yeah glorious day 12 on the atlantic folks and it's christmas because like it's 12 hours on a saddle that's that's every day a marathon almost, isn't it? Or more, sorry, that's every day four times a marathon almost. Yeah, I suppose it is, yeah. Um, I was doing, I think, average between like around 40 miles a day or nautical miles, 40 to... Some days I think I got into the 50s, but once the steering went, um, that kind of just slowed me down. So at the end, I was every day my goal was for the last kind of maybe three or four weeks when I got over halfway was just to do um, 40 miles a day. So... Some days I'd stay on much longer. Like one day I did 19 hours um, on the oars because I got pushed really far south. It was only about 500 miles from Antigua, so they were a little bit worried that you might miss the island, even though you're only you're 500 miles away. Um, yeah. Because it's it's obviously a tiny island and the approach is really um, is a little bit difficult. So I had to push north uh, when the conditions um, subsided a little bit. So... I, yeah, I was just really conscious of, of putting in the hours. And, and in that day, I only got 39 miles, if I remember correctly, but that was like one of the sweetest 39 miles I ever got, you know. It was just because mm. I had to work so hard and I, I got um, far enough north where I could be uh, comfortable in my position, you know, because, like I said, I got blown like 63 miles south in the space of 48 hours or something. Um, mm. So there was a little bit of worry with that. Um, yeah, fucking hell. Like, um, say sitting here now on the couch, would you, if, if you could be miraculously put back there, would you go back? Yeah, I, I'll would do you? another ocean row. Definitely, you will, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like those, as miserable and um, as hard and the kind of suffering and the hardship behind it, I, I loved it. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I loved the, um, the challenge of it, you know, uh, and there was times out there where it was just amazing, you know. 
it was like it was an emotional roller coaster. There was times where like you were as high as a kite, and then there was times where you were as low. You know, it was peaks and troughs. But um, you know, there, you can't say it wasn't exciting. You can't say yeah. it wasn't different. And um, you know, coming back to what I said right at the start, that's that's a place I kind of want to. That's um, your zone. Yeah, that's exactly where I want to live. You know. Yeah, I f- like the. Um we were talked a little bit downstairs about the first day and the preparation like this is you said 12 years in the making and then 18 months of training 18 months mm-hmm. that's serious dedication yeah um you know if you're going to do something you do it properly right so uh yeah um that's how important it was to me you know and uh, um my training was really like diligent and um it was everything in my life. I suppose that comes from rugby. Everything in my life was kind of um, revolving around the row, you know. So I would, um, uh, you know, I would make my decisions kind of around that. Like, is it a good? Is is this good for the end goal of um, rowing the Atlantic? So that's how important it was to me, you know. And I, I think uh, I'm very honest with myself, and um, at times um, I kind of. Um, I wouldn't have been happy with, with my training and where it was and I'd always kind of reset and kind of bounce back and um, because the period was so long like it was I found it quite difficult to um, uh, to really be on top of my training for that whole 18 months so yeah. again there was kind of peaks and troughs in that but um, at the end I was really happy where, where I was at physically and mentally and I felt really really prepared for the role. Um, but uh, I made one mistake and that was just tapering off too long uh, before the start of the row so um, I took ended up taking I think 23 days um, and my body almost detrained a little bit and then that's why day one was really hard because mm-hmm. my body went in some sort of shock because I hadn't done exercise really in in the in that 23 days um, and in the 20 or in the time you obviously go out onto the sea in training do you yeah we have to do uh, to qualify for the race you have to do 72 hours on water training and 24 of them have to be nighttime hours okay. and it all has to be documented and you have to produce the documentation to the race organizers okay so i just about got my seven i think i did 73 hours whereas some teams have done done i've done hundreds of hours but um the reason kind of behind just getting 72 hours for me was the was the what you call it the the west coast of Ireland is just not an ideal place to be training in an ocean rowing boat believe it or not because <laughs> the most dangerous part of an ocean row is around the coast yeah, uh, okay. with the winds and the winds can the, those boats are designed to be blown um, so the winds can just kind of pick the boat and push them onto the rocks you know if you mm. there's no stopping it basically if um, if that does happen so I was quite um, curtailed by the weather uh, at home and uh I was just about able to get my hours in in the end, but uh, at the same time, it doesn't really matter because nothing can prepare you for what you're going to face. So, um, day one, tough going. Uh, Started quite well, Um, passed, caught and passed about four boats and then it all started to go wrong. Uh, Blisters, Healing, healing hands, um, 
cramps everywhere, quads, hammies, calves, completely dehydrated, um, seasickness, uh, yeah, constant, constant vomiting. Um, in, in fairness, though, I felt better after I got, I got sick a lot of times. So, uh, yeah, um, and then uh, tried to get some rest, got blown back a mile, um, caught up that mile again and tried to get more rest and put out the power anchor and got blown back a mile and a half. Uh, fuck me. Um, uh, and then this morning I've been on since six and it's now one o'clock, so seven hours straight on the oars and I've I've only rowed about um, four miles. Fucking, um, yeah, really tough going. Really, really tough going. Um, can, I can eat a bit today. I didn't eat anything yesterday, but can eat a bit today. I don't feel too seasick getting the shake into me and that, but uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, this is gonna be fucking epic, man. This is only 24 hours in, and um, yeah, it's tough. All right. And that's kind of that, that's what it felt like when when you when you, the reality of it dawned on you because it, if it was easy, I mean, did I hear you saying there's somebody saying like the match people that have done this, there's more people that have gone to space. Yeah. Was, yeah. Uh, than done people, the Atlantic. Yeah. More that's people. how. Yeah. Some at Everest and more people have been into space, yeah. Yeah. And that's in teams as well. So when you when you boil it down to a, a solo, you're in a really, really, really small percentage of the Yeah. Yeah. And so with that in mind then this um that first day, that's I think probably why that first day was so overwhelming, I would have thought. Well, on top of everything. It was yeah. just this is the reality. and I'm 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 starting and I'm being pushed back and I'm and I'm trying to push ahead and I'm being pushed back and I'm making no progress and this is day one when it's supposed to be the happiest and the mm. buzziest about the whole thing. Yeah, and if you if you imagine like I've always I could always rely on my kind of my body and uh, my kind of physical preparedness mm. and for for that to be kind of rocked mentally that was like a big kind of problem for me, you know what I mean? Cuz I'm I just not used to being in that space and I was kind of going what the fuck has happened to me? Like my body was going into, so I'd, I'd see sickness. Obviously, I kind of expected that on day one and day two, but, and then I had these severe cramps in every little muscle on my legs for um, whatever reason, and then all the calluses on my hands uh, blistered and on my heels as well. So I had all that to deal with, and then I I got blown back. So I was like, I was making very very little headway. I was only going point six or point five a knot, which is basically crawling. Um, so I said, listen, try and get some sleep, let your body recover, get some water into you and um, get back up and then we'll have another go to see if mm. it makes a difference, see if you can kind of get a little bit of recovery. Um, I'd been blown back a mile in about two hours when I tried to get some sleep. Um, so I said, fuck it, I'll, I'll make that mile up and then I'll put out a thing called the power anchor, which is... Um, it's a parachute anchor that sits in the water underneath and it holds you in place. It holds about two tons of water in it. So I did that. Um, and then when I woke up again the next morning, like after about five hours sleep, I'd gone back a mile again. So that shook me because mm -hmm. what I was thinking was, well, firstly, that shouldn't happen. And secondly, um, if that's happening in these light headwinds, what's going to happen when I'm faced with storms out in the middle of the Atlantic? I'm going to be in big shit. Like, like what mistakes did I make? So that was all playing on my mind. So... Um, and then I had another six hours rowing, I think, to make up the ground I lost. Um, in that it was only like a few miles, but I was going nowhere. Like so, I had so much going on, uh, and I was kind of I was in a pretty um, 
I don't know, low and pretty kind of different place that I'm not used to, you know. So, yeah, yeah completely shook me. And then I made that video um, and, um, uh, yeah, it just got like serious kind of <laughs> interest going. But you could you could see how kind of um, even some of my friends said to me like they'd never seen me in that sort of state before. You could just see how kind of um, difficult it was and the yeah. realities that was ahead of me. And all, yeah. Well, I think that's though that is truth or that vulnerability or that fucking whatever you want to call it. There, he was when I was looking at you, it was kind of just you were like disappointed in yourself and you were fucking just you didn't you were kind of just. What's the right? It seemed you were going on, but the, the excitement of going on wasn't wasn't there in that yeah. moment in time. You were going to go on, that was no doubt, but it was like it had given you a good kick up the yeah. hole almost. The, oh, the big time! Yeah, and I, and and as well as that, I I suppose just hearing you say that now reminded me that like I was out of the race at that stage. You know, it was still like my goal was just to cross and um, to do it as fast as possible, but. It was, you know, I'm a, I was an athlete, so there's a competitive side to me. So, but I was out of the race there, and then you know I couldn't. Okay. Uh, and there was a, obviously a disappointment in that. Yeah. Um, because, uh, it started so well. Like I passed four boats in the first five or six hours. I thought, man, I'm gonna plow. Because I was easy. the last person to start. <laughs> yeah. I thought I'm gonna. There was 24 boats ahead of me. I thought I'm gonna plow through this field now and catch everyone. <laughs> <laughs> How wrong I was. <laughs> Yeah, but that's yeah. brilliant though. In a way, it's, uh, I think that because it, like even when you got battered and bruised, one you know with the blood and all that, and the and the fear and survive, don't let that seem to bother you as much as the start. But I think it's totally because of the high of actually starting something that had been in the making for so long, mm-hmm. and then the reality of it is so it is so fucking different. Even though you know because that's the way you are. You know it's going to be tough. It's like we, we don't know. We can't remember pain, I think. Do you, ever, mm. you know, you can't actually hold on to the feeling of pain or suffering. No. It's just, you can only remember the good stuff, the, the highs, which right. is great. Yeah, yeah There exactly. has to be that, you know. Yeah, that um, if you imagine, like like I said to you, I was, I was 12 years ago, I discovered this race and I knew then and there I'd do it and then the 18 months preparation and... There's a saying in ocean rowing, the hardest part of it is getting to the start line. Mm. So when I got to the start line, you know, because even in the week building up to it, like you've got this 12 page document of um, rules and regulations you have to adhere to. So there's even a little bit of doubt, even when you're there with your boat, like ready to go, that you're still going to make the start line. Then Mm. you make the start line and, you know, you say goodbye to your parents and it's a huge emotional like spike, you know, and there's the whole... um, relief of actually starting and then the the joy and um like it's like i was like i said to you earlier on I, one minute i'd be laughing and i'd be like shouting and hollering and then i'd be crying and i was like i don't know what was happening so yeah and then it all came crashing down about six hours later when i started having all the prob- physical problems and getting blown back and yeah so i was sh- i like but the best way i can tell you is i was completely shook there at the when i did made that video and um that was kind of as <laughs> as as low a place as I got on the whole thing but one of my I suppose one of my great strengths is I process that stuff really quickly and I don't feel too sorry for myself and yeah you used I I, I heard or some yeah that word process that's an interesting word to use about was the nature of well I, the nature of us is the emotions and feelings and whatever can totally take over 
but obviously the way you describe the word process is kind of like you put it somewhere else or you put them to a place or can you describe that a little bit just how you how you do that how you kind of say well or I'm processing through it just it's an interesting word to use about something overwhelming sure I I suppose what what I when I hear you talking there what I was thinking was I I question my feeling and then I'm like, so well, I'm, I'm obviously feeling really sorry for myself, but what good is that going to do me? Like, you know, I've got, you know, I've got 3000 miles to go. Um, I'm feeling, feeling sorry for myself here for another, you know, hour or two hours or another day isn't going to get me any further. Like, so I, I kind of, I go, right, well, you know, you've got a job to do, so let's get on with it, you know, because yeah. sitting here wallowing in your own kind of self-pity is, is pretty, you know, useless, you know, so yeah. let's get going. Like, Well, that's brilliant, though. Really, even just that, I, I really like that kind of questioning, what good exactly is this going to, where is it going to take me? It's mm. not going to make any difference whatsoever. No. No, it's not so going to get me further along this particular fucking journey, am Exactly, I? yeah, so you might as well make it as short as possible and get on with it. <laughs> so, obviously, so that kind of, evolved like that that wasn't just a quick well let's snap out of this that was a a little there was the discussion and you just kept going like yeah Mm -hmm. when you when you got to the end you said never give up that was your big kind of not your big but that was the the first thing out of you almost yeah that's i I like there was times out there where like the easy thing would have been done would have been to have just given up or just taken some time off or you know felt sorry for myself but um you know again like that wouldn't have done me much good in the in the goal of actually crossing the ocean so it was just i had to just keep kind of working really hard every day and you know the facts are the the things that happened to me out there with the um especially with the steering brake and just making it so difficult it would have been the the would it would have been really easy just to kind of um you know use that excuse to kind of feel sorry for myself or you know take the easy option but you know the fact that i just kept saying to myself just don't give in just keep going keep grinding never give up and i just had to keep coming back to that every day you know and the the hours and hours of sitting on my already destroyed backside (laughs) would have been like would have been the you know i could have easily justified it to myself to just crawled into the cabin and slept for a day or and was there a chat in your head about uh, you've done 12 days now you've done 15 days you've given it a good old go you know just ring now (laughs) just just pick up the phone and go can we any any, look there's something or or break something on the boat (laughs) just break the front of it go you know what i'll i'll call it in so i can't go or fuck the two oars away (laughs) No, 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 absolutely. But it could have easily been like that. Could have that, sure. you know, that wouldn't be uh, outside the realms of possibility. I'm going to just fuck the two wars away. Say I lost them overnight, and what can they do? Like I, I was actually the exact opposite. I, I was like, um, I, I kept telling myself nothing will stop me rowing across the Atlantic. Nothing. I just kept saying that. Some days I'd be screaming it like out loud, um, mm. because uh, you know I'd been saying that to myself for eighteen months, basically. You know, and and. Things like, for example, the oars. When I lost one oar, I had to st- I had to use my second set. They became basically the most important thing. Like if I could have wrapped them in cotton wool and chained them down to the boat, I would have. You know what I mean? That's how important they were to the success or the the fact that I had um, trying to achieve my goal to cross the Atlantic. You know what I mean? So, um, I um, 
yeah so it, it was quite the opposite to okay. uh, thinking about ways out because for me the whole, you know the, the, the thing was just to cross um and 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 achieve something cool yeah achieve something fucking amazing but i i just there at night time when you're locking up you're almost locking up like your life depends on it yeah completely yeah, yeah. i mean and there's always a worry then so you like you double you you do everything and then you double check it and triple check it and make sure like um there's a bit of ocd behind you there really have i yeah. checked this <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. go back and it's not easy like i know i'm just sitting here saying that now but i i imagine i remember when i was the way the position the oars had to be tied down like i had to lean over the side and then obviously it's black it's pitch black and you're getting bashed by waves and um you're just check making sure your harness is there because you could easily be pushed over the side of the boat you know what i mean so it's not an easy process to go through um uh, to be diligent and go through things like triple check things because um it's it's dangerous like you know so uh the easy thing would be go ah, that's grand i'll just it should be fine you know but yeah. I, I made that mistake when i lost the first door and i wasn't making it again because you know um you know that was you know, paramount to me crossing you know yeah, but so if you were lying, say you locked up everything and you're just lying down, did you kind of, there must have been times where you just went, oh, it's not, uh, is that perfectly done? Do I mm -hmm. need to get back up and check that again? Yeah, and you're constantly listening for different noises and, um, you know, you're going, oh, is that the oar come loose? And you're, you're playing games with yourself, you know, going, and then you go out, go out and check and it'd be perfectly there in place where you left it. But, um, yeah, you're always on edge a little bit because... Uh, well, because she's such a beast, like the Atlantic is is a monster, man, and and she can whip up a storm, and you know you're completely at her mercy, you know. So, um, even a few knots here and there aren't really going to stop her if 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 she wants to kind of kick the shit out of you, like. Yeah. You know? So when like there's some images of the waves coming, and it was like you see in the movies almost they were so high. You're not rolling in those, are you? Mm -hmm. You are rolling. Yeah. Yeah. I like I. I countless times i'd be rowing and these big i'd be like i'd be in the trough and you just see the the wave maybe seven or eight meters swell coming at you and i just go holy mother of god look at that thing <laughs> but thankfully they roll do you know what i mean they don't break they okay. only start breaking when the way when the wind is really high like around 25 knot winds and that's when you're at the risk of capsizing because you just find yourself and the wrong um, angle going up a wave and then it breaks and it just pushes the boat over. Yeah, so explain to me now, so when cap, if you're rowing, yeah. capsizing, this is an obvious question, but capsize means you're totally underneath. No? Yeah, exactly. The boat basically flips over. Goes okay, around and so you're under degrees. the Okay, but you're under the water. Yeah. So the second time I capsized, I was on deck. Um, and But you're uh, strapped in, obviously. Uh, yeah, so I wear a harness at all times. Okay. Or either a life jacket. At that stage, I had the life jacket on. And the life jacket is, um, I'm clipped into a line, which is called the jack stay mm. on the boat. Um and yeah i was i was simply um i was trying to fix the steering so the steering was giving me some problems so i was kind of in a strange position on the boat as in i had my back to the waves and i was kind of crouched down and i just came out of the crouch because it was hurting my knees you know like you know if you're in a crouch for a while to yeah. anyone you know and i just looked over my shoulder because i you know we were in huge conditions that day and i just saw this wave break and i go i'm gone here so i just had the i had the wherewithal to grab a handle here on the back of the cabin and um basically yeah around we went and i it's the it's the it's the most vivid memory of the row because uh even when i was underwater i was just so calm 
and I was just said one thing to myself. I was like, just squeeze your grip, and I actually had the, um, I don't know, the um, awareness to be able to even in that crazy. Um, situation just to be able to concentrate and focus on one little thing I just squeezed my grip and I, I was I was strapped in but still you can only control what you can control yeah. and that, at that time that was it you know so even now I'm kind of a little bit um, still in awe of myself I haven't been able to do that you know because um, it's all well and good visualizing it but when the reality hits to have the you know the, the focus to be able to do that is is pretty cool like Yes, yeah, so does the boat come back around? Like, so, yeah. like, do you just have to sit it out yeah. under the water? I mean, yeah. there is the chance it won't come back around. Obviously. No, they're they're designed, they're designed to, to come self back right. Okay. Yeah. Um, that being said, one boat that did abandon this year didn't self right for whatever reason. Um, but they, um, yeah, they're designed so the cabin is like a, uh, you know, it's, once the cabins are closed, um, they're that an air an air pocket. And you have a load of ballast underneath, so all the weight is underneath. So obviously, when the boat's turned upside down, it'll just flip because of okay. the weight, you know. Um, so, so everything, so everything then in the boat, you can't even just go. Oh, sure, do you know what? I'll leave this fucking thing here, or I'll leave that open. Mm. I'll leave that open, even if it's it's okay. You have to lock up everywhere, do you? Yeah, yeah. You have to be really careful. All the with time. That. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you're under. So then you're sorry. So you're under the water then, mm. and. It just it passes obviously you come back up again came back up but i probably i'm not sure i'm going to say seven to ten seconds something like that yeah even though that sounds like a very short space of time but when you're under there you're like seems a lot longer and yeah. i was just i i was saying to myself just squeeze your grip it's the boat will self-right and just wait 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 and then sure enough i just got kind of flipped around and ended up kind of landing on my kind of neck head and back area still clutched onto the handle um but we are very happy to be <laughs> on some solid yeah. and you're still you're you're probably are you just waiting for it to, you're just riding it out then is it or you're just or what do you get into gear do you get into action or do you you know what do you do and then when you, come back, when you come back around yeah yeah that was it was um a bit crazy then you're you're kind of just trying to uh, not let that happen again basically mm -hmm. um and that day in particular was was crazy because i had capsized in the morning where i was asleep in the cabin i got thrown against the side of the cabin that's how i woke up like when my head hit the cabin and then complete kind of pandemonium because the cabin does i had all these nettings you know with like you know stuff i use every day in the netting so that was all on top of me and then there was a little hole for the water maker so there was some water in the cabin so i had that and then after the second capsize i nearly went over three more times i i was kind of like kind of 90 degrees to the water but the, the the wave just wasn't strong enough to knock me over you know yeah so i was completely on edge all day like i mean like survival mode is the best way i can describe it like i was constantly looking over my right shoulder just looking at the waves coming going oh and there's this one gonna knock me over and I was stressed. I mean, um, really, really stressed. So I rang the boat, the guy who built my boat, who was giving me some advice, who's, who's done an ocean row. And he, he told me to put out a thing called a drogue, um, which is, uh, it's like a windsock. And the trail's like 50 meters out. But it, what it does is it holds you uh, downwind and down waves. So you're, you're, con you're so basically you're just rolling over the waves instead of inside on. Uh, and he said that'll minimize the chances of you capsizing. So I put that out around eight o'clock that night, strapped everything down and, and just crawled into bed and I slept for like 12 hours or something because I was so fried. Fucking hell. 
I was completely like just drained mentally and physically. Yeah, that's yeah. a day's work, like that's a yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. Bloody hell! Yeah, you yeah. earned your sleep. Yeah, just just fucking insane day. And since that man, I've just been on edge, survival mode, battling, battling, battling the elements. Uh, nearly went over twice more. Um, finally, the winds have calmed down a tiny bit, so I'm having making this video. But uh, listen, all's good. Um, I'm fine. I, I know I'm going to tell you not to worry because, like, don't worry because you couldn't want a better person in this place. As um, there's a poem above where I sleep that Cathy Sturch and uh, Macdara Hosty gave to me before I left, both of them independently. And one of the lines is, My head is bloodied but unbowed. And uh, that's that's where I'm at at the moment, um, you know. Um, is it nearly, is it, is, in, when you're in the fucking adrenaline of that of survival is it easier is the wrong word now right but say the other days and you were describing the monotony and the boredom and the pain and just the the relentlessness yeah. of it you can, i don't think easier isn't the right word because you can never take that 12 hours for granted those no. survival yeah but it's a different sort of a thing surely is it mentally you're not you're not nobody's com complaining about the stress no. of it or the, the worry or the pain of all it or the, anything yeah. it's, that's all gone it's all just pure away, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah just pure survival exactly yeah you, you don't you don't think about all those small little things or you don't you don't even hear the voices in your head you're just thinking about surviving you know what I mean yeah. and, and doing what you can do to um to survive whereas on the days where the conditions were calmer or even flat um it, the, the the hard thing is the voice in your head just kind of trying to justify or trying to kind of weaken your resolve you know because that's when you feel everything you know you feel all the all the little niggly pains and they almost get amplified by the um the silence and the calmness of it all you know so if you imagine like sitting on sandpaper uh for that amount of time every day um what that does is it puts you in a weak position mentally then and a lot of you start to think about a lot of things that uh, are out of your control things that are none of your business like what other boats are doing um, uh, what the weather is going to do uh, what people think of you and what you're doing so um, you know I had to reset basically and uh, there's there's four things I normally do when I want to reset mentally and put myself back in a strong, strong mountain mindset excuse me and um, they are uh, one concentrate on your breath uh, two um, is uh, control your uh, position on the oars and your technique three is your effort that you can control and four is your self-talk so all those things really really work and they're real powerful things to do so um, yeah I feel like I'm a much better place now since uh, since I kind of analyzed that and uh, and um, and, uh, and and reset. Yeah, I'm really curious about your. You, this is where the first thing I'd ever seen of you was when you you, you talked about the self talk and you, you mentioned three or four things, but the, you said it's important that I get certain things right. I do my check and I do whatever, and I get my self talk mm. in gear. Can you talk a little bit more about that and just. Um, well, yeah, it's like you can either be positive or negative, right? But and I think. I don't know if it's just me, but I think we're more inclined to be negative. Mm. Um, so it's just having that awareness that you are being negative and bringing it back to a, a positive kind of place. So I use a process again for that. Um, first, I, like I said, you're aware, 
and then you have a kind of an, a cut statement or a mantra or something that's quite blunt really really blunt to yourself um, and then that cuts the negative thought process and then you reaffirm it with some positive sayings so like I'd be I probably I don't know if I said at that time but I'd be saying I'm unbreakable I'm unstoppable I'm indestructible and I keep repeating that to myself yeah. and, um, and, and there's there's if once you get a once you have that positive statement if you can get a visualization with it so um, I would often try and see myself from above almost like a bird's eye view of this you know one person in a little boat trying to cross this immense kind of ocean mm-hmm. um, and then I would try and get a feeling as well so a feeling of being indestructible a feeling of power really is what you're looking for mm-hmm. um, with the statement and if you got those three things you just completely change you know you just feel great again you know yeah um, and the interesting thing I find is the feeling because some days I could just say it quietly to myself and I get it and other days I'd say it quietly and I wouldn't get that feeling so I'd, I'd, I'd what I did was I tried to start I started roaring to say, like trying to really say it as loud as possible it's like just screaming at the top of my voice and then I get it I get that kind of feeling of power or feeling of being um, unstoppable you know and uh, yeah it just uh, it works really really well yeah okay and so like the 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 blunt kind of question is like something like is this doing me any good is it is this that sort of thing or? no i'd just be stop being a oh really yeah stop okay being a something see you next tuesday <laughs> no okay i like that yeah yeah, yeah. so it's as blunt as that like yeah. just shut the fuck up like. yeah basically, and then yeah. you're actually using your will then almost you're willing yourself out of that fucking it's a rabbit hole almost go down mm. that route which doesn't bring you anywhere no. only further rabbit yeah. holes unfortunately yeah. Uh, yeah what I found interesting was the the way we're well the way I'm just inclined to be n- negative or it was I think it's much easier to be negative than positive you know and yeah. I think I just found myself in a negative space and at uh, more often than not I'm not sure if it had something to do with the pain, the physical pain, and that just eating away at you, or that bringing you into a negative pace. But um, well, you'd want to be a bit fucking peculiarly built to be have your fucking ass in bits, your hand in bits, your room for twelve hours battling one of the fucking greatest beasts on the planet, being mm. the Atlantic. Well, I mean, is there anything comparable? And to be going da, 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 this is great. <laughs> you know yeah, <laughs> everything's yeah. lovely I'm no. really positive and happy now right, yeah. I mean you've, uh, it's, you'd want to get checked out by the doctor That's I think true, you yeah, know in yeah. fairness to you I never thought of it like that but <laughs> yeah I suppose yeah yeah but just to be fair to yourself to give yourself a little chance right, you know, yeah. you know <laughs> you're all right yeah. <laughs> trying to be um there was so many times where i just wanted i wish i had a switch where i could just flick off my brain and just roll for like 10 hours and then you know turn it back on but yeah yeah we don't have the luxury of such a thing so we have to deal with ourselves and our thoughts and our feelings and um, yeah we were kind of it's interesting this idea that, that how you can sometimes disappear we'll say for 20 minutes into a nice kind of a thought mm. or some sort of maybe you're imagining what you're going to say when you get to the end or mm-hmm. you know you're you're some or some fucking situation that isn't a nice pleasant thing to think about and you disappear in that and almost you disappear you don't, there's yeah. nothing else going on the rowing is happening but you're not thinking about yeah. the rowing 
the pain is there, but you're not thinking about yeah. the pain, and you're off with that thought. Yeah. And then you come back and you go, oh, fuck. Trying try to get back to that thought, like. Oh, I'd pay good money if I was able to, <laughs> for that uh, space. Yeah, I know. I don't know where it comes from, but, um, you know, every now and again, you just get into that real kind of, like, almost daydreaming, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, it's a flow. Is it flow, flow state? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can't, and you can't yeah. make it happen. It's, al- it's almost like you're kind of... It's like when you know when you go to sleep at night, there's that moment, you can never remember the exact moment you fall asleep, you're just suddenly there and then you're not there, you're gone. Mm. And then you wake up with that moment and it's kind of like that for, um, I think when you get lost in thought like that. Yeah, mm. I, uh, yeah unfortunately it didn't happen. Well, it, I, I had a few stages where you know you would disappear for a nice kind of hour or whatever and um, yeah, and the rest of the day, then you just be constantly battling with yourself. Like, but it's like a free hour almost. Is it like a free hour? You know, when you're gone, like that. Oh, Not it's a, beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a great place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah like I said, I, I'd pay good money f- to be able to just go back to it every time to time. Yeah, because you you mentioned to me, um, you mentioned to me about uh, forgetting your fucking or not having your earphones. Yeah, and you're audible. Yeah, I must have spent about four hundred euro on audiobooks, and there was some audiobooks I was really looking forward to hearing. You know, kind of stuff that I like uh, people had recommended to me, um, and uh, day four I think was the first day I said, okay, I'll I'll throw one on now to hear, you know, start in, into some stuff. And uh, sure enough, I couldn't hear the voices over the wind because <laughs> the wind is constantly howling, like constantly yeah. howling. And I hadn't, um, I hadn't used any uh, audiobooks. I'd used music in my training a little bit through the speakers, um, but uh, never audiobooks or podcasts, which I had loads of. So unfortunately, um, that you probably was had some motivational ones in there. Did you? <laughs> I had. What had I? I had loads of stuff like um, some like Nelson Mandela's autobiography, and I had some stuff like. Um, uh, created Creativity Inc., which is the book by um, the CEO of Pixar and yeah, okay. Steve Jobs' autobiography. Stuff like that. You'd get something from as well. Yeah, you know, even a couple time. of sentences. Yeah, yeah to exactly. get you through. Yeah. So, you know, something to think about. But uh, yeah, that was out the window. So that was pretty disappointing. And I didn't, because I had the speakers, I didn't bring headphones um, um, because we were kind of, everything breaks in ocean rowing. Like the seawater is just cruel. Like it just rips mm. it, just destroys everything. So, you know, you have to bring about eight sets, so I didn't even bother bringing one set. So, yeah, was, okay. But I still, I could still hear music, but um, and then I had started having issues with charging my phone and the cable, so then I had to really dial back on that. Uh, so it was only like I'd put on the music for an hour on when it got dark at night, on the mm. first hour of, of darkness, just to help me, you know, because I always found that time really difficult at the end of the day. You can kind of roam for like maybe 10 hours, you know, on and off at that stage. So I found that time really well. I uh, really difficult, sorry. So the music helped. Um, but then later on, I had to delete the music app because my phone was all backed up with those. With, I was taking a daily personal video. Okay. Um, and um, so I needed space on my phone. So, so that got jettisoned as well. So I was down to basically uh, no luxuries or no audible mm. at all at that stage. So it's just you... And your thoughts, I, like I have been thinking, um, you know, the likes of Jesus and all that out in the deserts for 40 days and <laughs> he, um, epiphanies and all that sort of thing. But like you're 63 days out in the ocean. Yeah. Is there, uh, not epiphanies, fucking terrible, because it's survival is the epiphany, I think. But um, 
when you're alone like that, like, is there anything you can say about the level? Like, you, there's, you, you've done the, the greatest of all team sports, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of rugby. It is utterly a team sport. Mm. And um, then this road is a lone warrior road, almost. Like, it is, it's, you're alone. I kind of did it because I, you know, I know team sports. I know team. I think I was a decent team member, you know, and um, I didn't really have a lot to learn um, by kind of going down the team route in, in an ocean row. So I, I really wanted to do it on my own and, and um, kind of um, challenge myself there with that uh, in, in that space. So um and you know what? It wasn't. It wasn't a problem for me. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a big issue out there. Been alone. There was a couple of times I felt a little bit alone, but like I mean, only a couple of times uh, where I kind of just felt a bit sorry for myself, and I was like, "Oh, I'm out here trying to do something pretty cool, and, and does anyone really give a shit?" But then I'd, I'd, um, all I'd have to do is ring home or talk to Owen, who's doing my social media, and he says, "Yeah, a lot of people give a shit." <laughs> you know, yeah. there's a serious following behind you, and there's a serious amount of um, interaction on your on your posts and that so it was pretty easy to get past um get past that uh so yeah like i said it, it wasn't something that uh, i found particularly challenging you know but i i'm pretty comfortable in my own but on my own and yeah. in my own head um and uh i was able to kind of persevere and you know no problem yeah okay and so when you're out there in the um uh, do, do you get any I will ask I suppose about epiphanies not epiphanies but you had that sense of never give up that was a big overriding thing but was there ever a kind of a, a peace with yourself because you seem to me like it you know you're talking about Iran but you're going to go on and do more fucking stuff it's just your nature from the little bit of time um, and sometimes that can be I would have thought it can be too much. It can be too much if you can't. Now I'm putting words at you, so you can tell me. But you know this idea of just letting yourself be, like you know, just you've done it. Take it easy for a while. Or was there? Do you ever get that feeling, even at halfway, where you kind of went, "Fuck, it's happening." Like I'm not going to get too focused on the finishing line, but I'm doing this. Yeah, this is happening. Like that was a, actually that was a big um, a big thing for me out there was to not get too kind of outcome oriented and not okay. to think too much. Because that puts you in a, a disempowered place if you're thinking about the outcome and the finish instead of just trying to be kind of, I know it's an overused statement these days, but just trying to be present, you know, yeah. and trying to be in the moment or just constant, basically just concentrated on those things that you can control there and then. And, and that's where you, you kind of, I found I got into a real good kind of almost neutral, not too high, not too low place when I was just thinking about the um what i was going through you know and the uh, sounds and the just trying to uh delve into the five senses a little bit and mm. take in what you're looking at you know and take in what you're smelling and what you're seeing and um what you're touching so uh when i was kind of just thinking about my effort and my position on the oars and uh what i was saying to myself and then what i was seeing and just making sure I was uncluttered mentally and also on the deck that everything was kind of um, uncluttered as well, you know, because what I noticed was when I got quite low, it was a bit of a mess. You know? body, it was body, yeah. okay. Yeah, so uh, you just control the controllables, you know. Um, I never had really, I don't remember having any kind of epiphany or anything like that, you know, having any huge kind of... Um, 
uh, what you what's the word any huge kind of insightful thoughts or yeah. images but um i think though to be honest what it is is um the wrong question you see you're you're physically you're a big man right but i think what something like this does is uh, this this mental strength is a different thing mental strength can be built like a muscle mm-hmm. and even the language you use like um uh, is akin to something that is of mental strength and that is you know you it process one word you use but you i can't remember what you said a couple of seconds ago but it's just how you kind of organize your thinking to be almost neutral and in a way that's the strength or that's the thing that comes out of the whole thing this ability to, uh, to be able to survive Men, yeah like the, the mental strengths are really interesting one because I think people think or have a misconception about it like that they think people so certain people are mentally strong but you know I didn't lick it off the ground I, I trained and practiced it and put myself back into those positions where I have to practice my mental strength processes you know mm-hmm. so how do you get better at anything you practice and you put in the hours doing it and, and that's what i've done and, and i think that's you know paid dividends in my yeah. my uh, mental strength and it's it's not just for um it's not just for these made crazy challenges or these epic kind of endurance events like it's just it's for daily life as well you know yeah um you know i i do it because the benefits are are more inclined for my daily life rather than these once off or once a year or twice a year adventures you know yeah well i think it is that though because you you build as a result of the discipline and it does come down to discipline Mm. the discipline turning up every day in the boat when you could have taken it easy the discipline to have everything organized not like my room here in front of you but this that's that's that continuous repetition does allow then like i've read this book um recently it's 12 it's jordan peterson this guy it's an antidote to chaos and he talks about mental discipline and this idea of keeping your house in order first don't fucking bother going outside trying to change the world if you can't get your house mm. in gear clean your back fucking garden right. sort of shit but i think that's it comes down to simple things but it's just i find it really interesting the way you use certain words that it's not uh, it's what's the right way it's not a just a oh well, you know thinking positive or it's not a kind of you know like this new age sort of positive yeah, thing yeah. it's actually a focused strength of mind to be able to kind of turn the brain into a positive way or do it's by doing anyway I think it's the greatest is it maybe I don't yeah, know yeah yeah exactly I'm I I, I do like I use it in my training all the time and I, if I don't get I'm not really interested in training anymore if there's not a, a mental challenge to it or a mental kind of um, element mm. um, I just I don't get a lot from it I don't get any kind of um, fulfillment or any substance from the session you know unless I'm pushed mentally and if you do that I find say I'm training five or six mornings a week um, like those days are a lot better than the days where I don't train for two days. You know what I mean? They're mm. just a lot kind of uh, easier. They're more productive. Um, I just feel like I'm in a better mindset or a better place from training early in the morning and, and giving myself um, I'm 
you know, giving myself a, a mental challenge. Um, and I suppose that's my way of maybe, you know, maybe some people might meditate or something, but that's my way of, you know, meditating in this case. Yeah, um, it's bringing a bit of calm to the brain, I can see. Yeah. We're going to hit, uh, and that red light's going to go, so it's going to die any second here. Okay. Uh, we've done an hour and a little bit. Um, what, what are you going to do next? Apart so, from Iran, I know Iran is on. Yeah, I have a couple of ideas. Well, I've, yeah, like you said, I'm going to travel around Iran, hopefully, um, sorry, next month. Um, but I've, for big adventures, I have two ideas. I'm kind of um, slushing around in my head, for want of a better expression. And uh, either another ocean row or I'll go back to um, I'll go back to some mountaineering. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, that's that's the plan. But I want to make it more like I don't want it. I don't want it to be um, a solo endeavor. I'd like to kind of maybe bring people with me and maybe train them or train them mentally, uh, physically. Uh, uh, sign me up. Oh, yeah. I, I'm fucking serious. Yeah. I am serious. I'd love to do something. I, I genuinely, I'd have to negotiate a little bit with my wife. But <laughs> she's just hearing about it now. Right, um, yeah. No, I genuinely would love to. But because uh, like uh, you were kind of saying, a, mar- a marathon's just a walk in the park for you. But no, I'm doing, no, I'm doing it well. Uh, uh, I'm doing my marathon, but uh, I have that craving, man. I, I, so if you are kind of, I'd be a perfect person to train because I'm a lightweight. So <laughs> I have the mental idea to do it, but the uh, physical body needs to be built up. That's All for right. sure. But I fucking would love to. So yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, I think it's um, you know, I, I've done a lot of this sort of stuff, and it brings a lot to my life. So you know, it's important to share that with people and and maybe show them you know a pretty cool thing to to do. Yeah. Um. So I'm definitely if you are bringing yeah. a group, I definitely. That's it, like. okay, <laughs> I cool. swear. Nice one. <laughs> I'm gonna, anyway, listen, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for it. I'll get you back on. Yeah, it. cheers. It was great. <laughs>